believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Can we pick it up now in chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to read the first 14 verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints, literally believers, and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, and it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, just a quick contrast to understand that where there's a good spot to stop tonight. In verse 13, where it says, he has delivered us. And in verse 14, in Christ, in whom we have. The next verse, 15, is going to say, he is. It's going to be about Jesus, who he is. He is the image of the invisible God. But before the Holy Spirit takes us to there, he lays out this introduction through Paul the Apostle about what he has done for us, the church. And so you see the personal element of Paul the Apostle and Timothy on behalf of Timothy, addressing the perspective of things as the author in the Holy Spirit, the things attributed to this local church, and then what they have in common. He has delivered us. You see that? So the pronouns and the applications, Paul and Timothy, to you, we pray for you. This is how we pray for you. You, your faith, um, your fruit, and your love, and collectively together, we've been delivered together from the kingdom of darkness to walk in the things that God has for us, being redeemed by the blood and having redemption and forgiveness of sins. So it's Paul the Apostle with Timothy, their perspective in this opening statement. It's the church, their known fruit as declared to Paul. And then it's what Paul and Timothy are writing to, uh, praying for them. And then it's collectively what they have together. So tonight we're really looking at... um, applications from the greetings, the opening statement. If you 
many of you, of course, have taken college classes and you write papers and thesis. You have like an opening statement, that opening paragraph. This is, in a sense, the opening statement of this book. This is the opening act of this book that tells us Paul's perspective and heart for these people as an apostle to the Gentiles, and it tells us what he had heard about this church and what was attributed to them, which is awesome, and then about what makes them the church and what they have in common, which is being delivered from darkness into the kingdom of light in the sun, the light and the love of Jesus Christ. So as we look at these applications for tonight, we begin with the love of the Spirit in the local church. Let's, let's take a look at this local church and see what we learn about them. In contrast to, say, perhaps the Corinthian church or the Thessalonian church or the Philippian church, where we actually read about historically how they began in the book of Acts, this just is a church that existed with people he knew that are mentioned in other places in the New Testament, uh, Epaphras uh, being one of, you know, being that person, as well as others in the latter part in chapter 4. So this church, this is the first impression of this church. This is what Paul heard because he said, Epaphras has declared to us your love in the spirit. This church had a testimony. Worship generation has a testimony. Orange County Christian Fellowship, our sister church that we planted, it has a testimony in its community. Hector Mora and Vision Church that we helped plant in Long Beach, it has a testimony in the community. Garrett Beeler, who took over for me when we left Calvary Costa Mesa 14 years ago for seven years, then planted Vision City Church in Irvine, it has a testimony. Our good friend Eric Tribble up there in Fullerton as a Calvary church, that local church has a testimony. People would say certain things. It's the reputation of the church, which would be reflective of the leadership, the pastors, the elders, the leadership, the deacons, the men, the women, those things that Titus talked about, that the older women lead the younger women, the older men, the examples and leaders to the younger men, all these things of a healthy church. Every local church can be healthy, just like a marriage can be healthy, or a local church can be unhealthy, just like a marriage can be unhealthy. A local church can be a healthy church home, like a functional, healthy home in Jesus Christ, not perfect, but by and large functional and fruitful as a whole, or it can be dysfunctional, like a dysfunctional home, that a home can be where people aren't walking with the Lord. And we studied this recently. It just takes one person in a family not to be seeking the Lord to bring, well, first of all, it just takes one person to have a divided heart with God and not be subject to the Lord, to have a divided heart, and then that carries over into the home and the relationships in the home. Then a divided heart can cause a divided home, where the husband and wife are not on the same page, and then it can affect the children. It just trickles down. It can be a divided home. And then they, if they go to church, like many Americans do, it instead of being a healthy relationship in the local church, where it's life and light and joy and the abundant life Christ has for each person individually in their home and in the local church and being a blessing there, they can be dysfunctional and they can bring that dysfunction to a local church and they can be divided heart in their private life. They can be divided home at home and they can come to church and be divisive just like the Corinthians who are noted for being a divisive church. This is not that kind of church. Neither is WG, by the way, worship generation as a whole. This is a very healthy church. And we get that right away. Now, contrasting this to Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, he's like, hey, there's disputes among you. There's this, there's that. He says some good things right off the bat, and he goes, let's cut to the quick right now. You know, I'm going to have to, and it's a long letter too, because it's like, 
we got to have the father-son talk, right? It's a lengthy, lengthy conversation. The Corinthian letters are long because he's dealing with a lot of issues that are dysfunctional in the church, that are carry over dysfunctional homes and dysfunctional individuals and causing division. So it's not like that here. Very healthy church. The testimony of this church is declare to us your love, verse 8. Declare to us your love in the spirit, verse 8. Now, we also pick up some bonus thoughts. Verse 2 says, faithful brethren in Christ. They had a testimony of being faithful. Even this week in speaking with my older son, Timothy, about different job opportunities that are available to him in the maritime industry with his current job and being offered a really uh, upward movement with another job, I just reminded him, not that he needed to be, but he made a commitment to the current people he works with that is for the calendar year. And whatever appealing opportunities might open up between now and before the year's done, that a career advancement, those are little shortcuts that cost you in life. It's more important that your word is credible right from the onset, and it's always credible because if you're not faithful in little things, most importantly your word, then you just begin a pattern where you justify yourself. The famous basketball coach, John Wooden from UCLA, was actually, he wanted to be the head coach for Minnesota. He wanted to coach in the Big Ten back in the 30s. He was a high school teacher and a basketball coach. He was an All-American at Purdue University in the 20s and uh, grew up with a father who had integrity and character. What he did, they actually lost the farm during the Depression there in Indiana. And as he was progressing as a school teacher and eventually uh, was involved in Terre Haute with Indiana State, he was seeking opportunity to coach on a higher level, and he really wanted the Big Ten, coaching the Big Ten, and he was looking for the Minnesota job, and he was also approached to do the UCLA job. This is in the late 40s, and he told, he put UCLA on the back burner at 7 p.m. to hear from them. He was going to commit to UCLA if, if Minnesota did not get back with him to give him the job for Minnesota to be the head coach at Minnesota Basketball. Of course, John Wooden's a professing Christian and has been with the Lord for a while now, considered the greatest coach of all time. But in this experience, there was a blizzard in Minnesota that day, and he never got the call offering him the job to be the coach at Minnesota. So by 7 p.m. Central Time, he called UCLA and accepted the job to be the head coach at UCLA Basketball. And an hour later, Minnesota called him and offered him the job. He stuck to his integrity and he stayed with UCLA because a man is not a man truly before the Lord who does not keep his word and is not faithful. And a Christian is not a Christian truly is unto the Lord who does not keep their word, male or female, because all your promises are yes and amen. We just sang it. It's yes, yes with the Lord, or no, no, but it's not yes and no. These believers are commended, verse 2, for their faithfulness. It's identified as a character attribute of the church. We want that to be identified with us as individuals. That people say, so-and-so is a faithful woman. She says she's going to do it, it'll get done. When we ever have a project going on and Tammy McCune's in charge of it, I never, ever, ever give it a second thought, Right? It's done, capital D, uppercase, like you locked it in on your computer by accident. It's all done. I never worry because the, the, the reputation is there that it's going to get done. If it can't get done, she'll let us know. Those are the kind of men and women we want to be, faithful. It's so crucial 
that our words are faithful. My kids learned this on early on when they were younger, that when daddy promised something, that daddy would keep that because our heavenly father keeps his promises. So they knew if they could lock me in on a commitment at Toys R Us, I'm locked in. You know, so when I came back from winning a contest in Mexico and I said, hey, I'm going to go spend $500 at Toys R Us. It was like, ooh. And I walked out of the receipt over $500. It was when they were younger in the 90s. And it was like, We've been impoverished for a while, and that was a big deal. And Jennifer got her new floors, and they got $500 worth of stuff at Toys R Us, and everyone was happy, okay? Because you got to keep your word. I've been very deliberate, even when I was coaching for 20-plus years, that when I, I, may, I said things, that I kept my word. That I kept my word. Super important. They were faithful. And again, even talking to my own son to me, hey, look, whatever offers come your way, the people that want you and are recruiting you, they'll respect you more by you honoring what you've already committed to on a lower level. They're gonna, you're going to be the kind of person they do want to hire in January of 2020. But you've made a commitment to Harley Tugs in Alaska, and you made that commitment. And what's wrong with our society more than anything else is people not keeping their commitments. We've got to honor it. We've got to respect and appreciate the integrity of people like John Wooden from Bygone Generations and realize it's always the right time to be true to your word. And if you've ever worked for someone who doesn't keep their word, it is extremely frustrating and arduous. And you're trying to figure out how to get out of that situation as soon as possible. Because you just, it's a very uh, grievous thing. So our word is golden and to be faithful in what God entrusts us to do and to be faithful for our words is just, it's golden. It's, the, it's, it's probably the highest equity you can have in the human experience in dealing with relationships with people that when you say you're going to do something, you do it, that you're faithful. So would to God that we'd be called faithful by the Holy Spirit in verse 2 of our life as individuals in our homes and in this church. But we also see verse 4, they're commended for their faith. He'd heard of your faith, that we'd be women of faith and men of faith, that we'd believe great things from God, we'd expect great things from God, and we would attempt great things from God. In sharing with the pastors of Los Angeles County last week from the Calvary Chapel Movement, I just really encourage them that we should be so optimistic because we have all the promises of God and they're all yes and amen, and that we should be men of faith and our temperament in the leading the church of Jesus Christ in Los Angeles and in Southern California together collectively. We need to be men and we need to have wives that we inspire and kids that we inspire and church leadership that we inspire, that we, like the great saints of old, we believe God for great things and we attempt God from God for God great things, expecting from God great things. This we we should be the most optimistic of all people who confess the name of Jesus Christ because all the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. And there's no shadow of turning with the Father of lights. So the great things that we could study that he's ever done in the past in human history, he can do greater things in our lives today and with expectation for tomorrow. So again, I just look at the church and I say, wow, they're commended for being faithful and then they're commended for their faith. And they do tend to go together, but they're two distinct different things to have faith. Would to God that people that know you and your personal life and identify you in any affiliation with this church would see us as women and men of faith and optimism and excitement for the Lord, that we're opportunistic and, and we, we're willing to go for it. And we realize, yeah, we probably are living in the last days. And there's every reason to believe we're living in the last days at the end of the age, which makes it all the more special that we're alive and get to be a part of something in the fourth quarter. When you're a coach, you want athletes on the field that you can trust in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. 
And if this is the last generation or the, you know, bringing down the winding down of the, the church age as we know it before the return of the Lord, which is promised for sure to, to this planet, and we're, we're his ambassadors, we're his representatives with, with in the final minutes to be on the court with everything on the line, good for us. And let's believe God to do great things. Let's have faith for great things. New wine, new wineskins. You're doing new wine. The soil you're turning up, it's, it's new ground. It's, it's, it's sanctified. Let's sing a new song. Let's have new wine. And let's believe God for great things. I'm, I'm just blocking out all the noise, the white noise of negativity about this planet, about politics, about the next generation. It's just, you know when you used to watch Charlie Brown and the adults would talk? That's it for me right now. That's, I'm like Peppermint Patty, just blocking it out. I, I got nothing to say. You know, I'm like Snoopy dreaming. I'm in the clouds taking care of the Red Baron or something. You know, like we want to be men and women of faith and optimism and hope for the kingdom of God. People get beat down every day. Don't, don't go for the beat down. Don't sign up for the beat down. Start the day on your knees, seeking the Lord. Let his promises fill your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and go get it. That's who we want to be because of the hope that's laid up for us in heaven, it says in verse 5. And to bring forth fruit. It brings forth fruit when you're faithful men, faithful women, and you have faith and believe God to do great things, you're going to produce fruit. You just make things fruitful. Wherever you go, things get better. We're fruitful. A cup of cold water in Jesus' name, it's fruitful. When a kind word, it's fruitful. Mercy where mercy's needed. Bringing people together, a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They're going to inherit the earth. Like, bring forth good fruit. That's what this church was doing. And love in the spirit. So again, they were faithful. They, their faith was commended. And also, also their love in verse 4. But that's reaffirmed in verse 8. And that they're bringing forth good fruit. And their love in the spirit. So there's actually four things there if you're paying attention under this first point about the church. That they were faithful brethren. That they, their faith was, was commended. Uh, they heard of their faith. It was a declaring faith that they're bringing forth fruit, which faith and faithfulness will produce in a woman's life, in a man's life, in a home, and that their love in the spirit is commended. Now, we know there's different types of love from the Greek language, and we know there's friendship love and uh, sensual love and these different types of love. The Greeks really divided them up. But, of course, agape love is the word attributed to Jesus on the cross. So that word is a, a new, it's a, it's a higher word. It's actually a word that's so elevated, it's, it's hard to find comparison because when you translate words, it's really hard to translate. First of all, because it was an archaic word in the Greek language, restored by the Holy Spirit for the New Testament, well, restored by Jesus, because he used the word, to describe himself and what he would do. Greater love has no man than this. By this we know love that Christ died for us, and that word's agape. And we're told in Romans chapter 5 to the church, to believers, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been freely given to us. So a spirit-filled woman is going to have this supernatural love working in her life, and a spirit-filled man the same. And we're also told in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it's a love that's, that's supremely over the limited love that we have. We all are capable as fallen human beings, apart from the Lord, of showing love. There's natural maternal, paternal love and things like this and even uh, brotherly love. And of course, there's eros love is in place automatically. But ultimately, 
the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as we walk in the Spirit is to produce more of the love of God in our life, the character of Christ. That it's the love that is in the Holy Spirit. Because your love is great. But you being filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of the Holy Spirit being the mark of your love as a wife, as a husband, as parents, as grandparents, or adult siblings, or adult children taking care of elderly parents. Listen, note to self. If you're in assisted living or memory care living, when you're 85, 90, 95, you want someone who's spirit-filled taking care of you. You want someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of God taking care of you. Because we're going to have an extra measure of eternity preparing you for eternity on the back end of you getting ready for eternity. You do not want carnal, selfish, adult children taking care of you if you're in that situation. That's a bad ending. Just saying. It's observable in the human experience. Then we see what Paul prayed for them. So we shift gears now from what was the mark. And isn't it beautiful? Let's stop for a second. Isn't it beautiful that those four things attributed to them as a church congregation? How wonderful it would be if people testified of you and I individually that this is who we are. And how wonderful it would be if people talked about this church, that this, they would say these things. And not just people, but God himself would say that of this church. These are, these are admirable attributes to be pursuing for us as a local church on an individual and a collective level. Then we see in verse 9, we get the, the prayer of Paul. Now, Paul said in verse 3, praying always for you. And then in verse 9, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard of your faith, your faithfulness, your good works, your, your, you know, your fruit and all that, and then your love in the spirit. He says, we do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be. Okay, so this is a pretty famous prayer, actually how the apostle Paul prayed for this church that you may be. So this is like how leadership can pray for a church. It's a pretty good template for how we can pray for one another. Of course, Jesus taught us how to pray through the Lord's prayer in both the gospel of Matthew and Luke. But this is a prayer of how to pray for others. Now we know in the Old Testament, time and time again, God emphasizes the need to pray for people, for governments, for nations, for kings. He, he said in Ezekiel, I look for someone to stand in the gap and there's no one to stand in the gap who would pray. We're told in the New Testament that as we're gathered together, that we're to pray for one another, we're to pray for those in leadership, we're to pray for the lost. Pretty much, without a doubt, all humanity is covered in who we're to pray for as a church in our timeline. But here in this prayer, we get these details of, led by the Holy Spirit, how we can be praying for one another and to pray for our own lives or for people we love and in the church. This would be appropriate for us to pray for our brothers and sisters in other churches as well as our brothers and sisters here. Ask that we would be, first of all, filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, we know it's God's will that no one would perish, so God wants people to be saved. That's according to his will, but he's given us free will and choice, so those two factors run parallel and we just try and pour it on with the love of God and hope that the choices delegated and given to each soul would be made wisely to respond to his will for salvation. We also know it's his will that we'd be set apart for the Lord as according to First Thessalonians in our lifestyle and being consecrated to the Lord once we give our life to Christ, that we'd grow in Christ. But here his will, as we would understand it in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we each as individuals for the Colossian believers and for us, the church of all ages, each local church, each believer, each home, that we would, um, that we would be filled, filled, so not half full, like, 
a half glass of water, a full glass of water, that we'd be filled. This is God's heart for us. That we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom. Wisdom's making the right decisions. Knowledge is knowing what things are. Wisdom is knowing the right decision based upon the intel. So knowledge and understanding are, are facts and, and intelligence and information you have, but wisdom is knowing the right decision so that we would all be led to make the right decisions in our personal life, the right decisions as a church, the knowledge of his will in wisdom and spiritual understanding that we'd be led with the Holy Spirit to know the knowledge of his will with spiritual understanding, all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Also, that we may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, so that our day-to-day lifestyle, which we call a walk, would be pleasing to the Lord. That when he looks at our life, he'd say, hey, have you considered my servant, this woman, this wife, this husband, these children, this teenager, these young adults, this senior citizen, that they have a walk pleasing to the Lord. In other words, it's the disposition of our life that the pattern of our life is good decisions made according to God's will and obedience to God's will. It's the blessings described in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant. Choose life or choose death. Choose blessings or choose curses. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.